listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey, it's the 9to5 Entertainment System. You're listening to it right now. If you love 9to5 Entertainment System as much as I do, you can support us at patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe to the 90s Deluxe level for just a couple bucks a month and you will get access to our Garbage Time bonus episode on our bonus episode. This week we talk about Marvel Snap and actual Hollywood monsters, Jonathan Majors and Ezra Miller. But on this, the main episode, we talk about Spawn, Reboot, Power Rangers, WrestleMania, Dungeons and Dragons, Fit Brigade, Hero Clicks, Bakugan, Visionaries, Do a Power Bomb, Ike Perlmuter, and the Black Panther podcast that Marvel brought out. This is a great nerdy ass geeky show, and you love it. So I mean, support us on Patreon, or just listen to the show and tell your friends. You know, one or the other. podcast can be anything even just three dudes just just talking sounds like it's I mean, been just one well, two I, I think we've been doing it three <laughs> the benefit of the doubt there we're not just three new white guys doing it we're three white guys that have been doing it since you know one white guy used to do it for a decade yeah. Doing it for a decade. Is, is that true? Did we just pass over the 10-year anniversary without saying anything? Yeah, we quietly passed over. The, it's since 2011, I think, was the first episode of 9ES. So the 2021 huh. came and went, but, like, pandemic was going on. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't feel right to celebrate anything. Uh, so then I was just like, ah, we'll catch it at 15. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I suppose we're... This, I think sometime e- early... Early next year or late this year, what however the math works out, we will hit episode three hundred. Which that's pretty be, intense. That's a lot be, of that's a lot of hours. We're gonna get Todd McFarlane to do the cover. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Or at least an AI to pretend to be Todd McFarlane. Yeah, exactly. Draw One the three of, of us like Todd McFarlane and we're I don't all... know. Do you think do you think he's busy these days? Yeah. He might not be. Really? He's got millions of dollars that he has to count through. He keeps them uh, all on loonies. He also has multiple copies of every one of his action figures, so he's just trapped in a warehouse. Okay, okay. That, that, that might be true, but how many people are asking him to draw anything? He still, he still runs Spawn, and there's the movie that's in pre-production perpetually. Oh, okay, like that—that's just that's his jam. McFarlane Toys is still huge. Right. I feel like he could also draw any comic he wants to at any time. Like, yeah. Well, maybe he I wants saw to an draw. I saw an interview with him not long ago, and he, he seemed like, yeah, I run the business. It's good. And it's also baseball season, so you're not going to get a lot of time from him. You're like, I'm tired of big drawing big infinite capes. And capes chains. Everywhere. Chains flying all over. Capes and chains. He, doesn't, he didn't even draw a lot of Spawn in the end. Greg Capullo, I think, did more issues of Spawn than Tom McFarlane. Yeah, he he stopped after like issue twenty something or whatever, or not got stopped, but like certainly slowed down. Maybe did some covers and stuff, but like, yep. like he did the initial run and then freaking Spawn still running? Is there Spawn still a month? Yeah, Spawn like... Spawn's still running, but Greg Capullo's the the man. The man. When I'm thinking of Spawn and like the cartoon, am I getting is that more Todd McFarlane work or is that more this Capullo guy? Oh, the HBO stuff. That's McFarlane. 
Oh, I don't know if it was HBO. I mean, like the the cartoon from the nineties. Yeah, which was HBO. HBO. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Murder, rape, pedophilia, child abuse. Uh, maybe it was a different one. HBO. All the stuff from Spawn. Wait, maybe it was a different one. <laughs> what Spawn are you thinking of? I don't know. I it, it, I don't think that it was that violent. And I'm remembering it from like late night YTV. I really doubt they had they had murder or rape or anything. Maybe on that. thinking of the Max. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the Max. Yeah. Also had Max murder and rape. But all, the less, Max also had murder than... and rape. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I have the Max on DVD. Did did Reboot have murder and rape, too? Yes. Like, what the it. hell? <laughs> it, it, it did have murder, and when it aired in the States, they had to include parachutes for little bits that were ejecting from the planes. That, that it did G. not Joe. have. Nope. Reboot. Reboot, too? G.I. Joe always had it, because it was an American show. But okay. Reboot was Canadian, and when it got ported over to the States, they had to digitally paint in parachutes for little bits and bites. That's amazing. Even though they were the little, like, square things. They're helping! Yeah. That's super weird. Uh, am I and they also mistaken the, in thinking that Reboot is rebooting? Reboot. It did reboot. I already had. And? Past tense. Did did, did it's it extremely unwatchable. Oh, no. <laughs> what happened? They turned it into a, a Power Rangers kind of show where a bunch of teenagers were a group in school and then they had to fight Hexadecimal. What hot garbage. It was, it was bad. It was made Power Rangers look elite next to it. That's Not good. Power Rangers so it was like It was like live action. Very brief. Yeah, it was live action. Power Ranger phase, John? Yeah. Very brief. It was like half of a season. And then I was like, oh, wait, they're all the same every single time. But I had a little moment where I enjoyed it. Well, then, John, you'll be happy to know that the original Power Rangers are being brought back for a Power Rangers movie where they're all in their 50s. I'm pretty sure it's a video where there was like 100 Power Rangers all showing up on the show at the same time because they they got all the Power Rangers from every edition to show up or something. Yeah, that's the thing that happened in the show. Ninja Force or Samurai Force? Yeah. But it's so sad that that's no, happening because Green Ranger just died, right? Like, I think that's I heard, why. I heard. Wow. I think that's I mean, why that the original cast were like doing conventions and stuff, and they're like, "Man, we should, we should do one more do before one, like one. it's we can't." I'm down. I. But it's never... great. It, it looks like it looks like um, like uh, um, Mickey Rourke the wrestler, but <laughs> Power Rangers. <laughs> like they're old and tired, and it's like. Man, we're still fighting this, and it just won't stop. And what do we do? You, you, just, you just hear them like, "Go, <laughs> go, Power Rangers." <laughs> <laughs> just like, that's, that's kind of awesome, though. Imagine them taking the idea of the Power Rangers and be like, "When do they win? And what if the answer <laughs> is never? What happens to them?" It's just a, and and. <laughs> But what's his name? Zordon is still like, Assemble, you need to defend. They're like, Damn it, Zordon. When do we get to quit? I can't. Zordon has go. no chill. I've got to go to my divorce hearings. <laughs> my hemorrhoids hurt. Red Ranger. It Assemble. Looks great. It looks great. Check out the trailer if you can. It looks way more interesting than the, than the other Power Rangers reboot. Oh, with, with all the hot teenager kids. Like, I I always like like I said I was never I think 
I think we're all probably too old for Power Rangers. For sure. I'm, yeah, for sure. Since I'm the youngest and like I was already like eh, a little, yeah. like on it. Like it was like I think it came out we were I was in grade five or grade six and I always I already felt like a little too old for that. Like somehow. And uh I do but I still remember even like watching it like later on to be like, Oh yeah, it's kinda like just dumpy kung fu. Yep. But, like, what bugged me, and I, I remember, like, having, like, rants about this. And this is before I had a podcast, so I was just yelling in the, like, school. <laughs> it just had about, do. like, Power Rangers was the thing that, like, pushed, like, cartoons out of, like, afternoon television. Yes like, and it was no. Like... Yes and no. Because oh. Saban Entertainment made their money on Power Rangers and then quickly turned it into X-Men the Animated Series. Hmm. Really? So if you don't you don't get one without the other, that's crazy. Because like I said, all I remember was especially like peak Power Rangers, uh, not like not, not necessarily original. Like they were probably already at like post movie and like some certain spinoffs. But when there was like Power Rangers and Beetleborgs and VR Troopers and like like all those weird like Japanese <laughs> like they ported Japanese that's kung awesome. fu shoes over and then just had Americans in the interludes and then cut to the Japanese fight scenes. Like, yeah, it was super cheap. and Yeah, you, probably, you had to film like 10 minutes of new footage an episode tops because like you were just mm-hmm. using all the fight footage of the old, the original IP. And and half of them could be reused over and over again. Yep. I mean, yeah. And, and part of the deal that Saban had with those uh, Toei production companies was to buy the sets and props and costumes they didn't just buy the video footage. Like they, they're like, you're finished shooting that season. Ship it all over. In case we need to like shoot it was any our... additional like stuff or whatever, with, like with helmets off or monsters talking to make the plot make sense, or mm-hmm. like it was all part and parcel of the deal. And the the Japanese production studios were like, okay, you don't have to story these. You're paying money for them. Go. Yeah, exactly. That's it. We're, we're, we get paid twice, and we don't have to deal with any like storage or destruction or whatever of all the props. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Huh. Like, Super smart. Yeah, the sure. guys made 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 bank. Huh. Although I do like, I was hanging out with someone the other day, and, and they they referenced uh, like when you know in wrestling, <laughs> when like a bunch of like. Air quote security guards like mob the guy, and he was just sort of like, Oh, yeah. He, I was like, I love that those guys are like clearly jacked, but like they have like one hit point. And my buddy was just like, They're like putties, and I was like, I understand that reference, and it's dead on. Like, what they, you know, Rita Repulsa or whatever would just throw like 10 putties at it, and they're just there to slow the Power Rangers down. It's not the main monster, it's just, just putties. Just here you go. Slow down a little bit. The Power Rangers are obvious. Like, did Rita Repulsa ever think for a split second that a putty was going to do any damage at all to a Power Ranger? No. This is what what ads are for. Anyway, it's great. But but back to your point, Keith, about uh, Saturday mornings being crushed by live action. Power Rangers was part of it. The other part was Hercules. Yeah. Yeah. Hercules, the Hercules the legendary journeys. Yeah, yeah, they they because well, they always they came on into they like I think they started at like eleven, mm-hmm. right? But then they were like, yeah, it was like the next two or three hours or whatever was just those weird Sam Raimi things. Hercules, huh. Xena, and then the knockoffs: Conan the Barbarian, Sinbad of the Seven Seas, Jack of all, all trades. Though it was Jack of all trades. That was Jack technically of all trades was in, amazing. 
Yeah, technically, technically in the the Xenoverse, uh, no, there was also no, Jack of yeah. all trades was was a Western. But I think you're thinking he... Joxer. No, no, no! Like, like Kevin, like Bruce. Bruce is Bruce is in them. He plays Joxer as. Uh, okay, I really thought he, was <laughs> he the plays Jack the, of all the King of Thieves. Jack of all trades is another show. Mm. Bruce is a, is a still Raimi involved though. Yeah, yeah, because Bruce. No, they don't work apart. <laughs> nobody, nobody hires Bruce Campbell except for Sam Raimi. And Ted um, Raimi gets a big, big role in it too. He comes by a whole bunch in the Hercules and Xena stuff. And there was uh, Cleopatra twenty five twenty five. Was the other one that, that oh, it man. stood out in its terribleness, and also the fact that it features uh, what's her name from Firefly, Wash's wife. The captain, like yeah. the pilot, or the first first mate, first mate, first mate, first mate, yeah, who played so, Espinosa uh, in Alias? Is it Zoe? Is that um, the character? No, maybe. yeah, Zoe, maybe. Misremembering. Anyway, yeah, Firefly was uh, a long time ago. Firefly sure was, was a long time ago. So was Cleopatra twenty five twenty five. Yeah, I missed every one of those shows. People talked about them, and I just for some reason they never got on my radar. So I never watched like maybe even a single episode of Xena. Crazy. Yeah, I was. Never, I don't think I ever. I just like I had them on and was like bummed that they weren't cartoons. And I don't really remember like paying <laughs> attention to them. I just remember them like existing, watching all the intros of a lot of them and being like, "Ugh." Zoe <laughs> was the name of the character. Yeah, and not the actor, obviously. I... And she was played by Gina uh, Torres. Gina Torres. I was gonna say wrestling though. I was trying to. I was trying to pivot to wrestling because it it's been. T- How did monster- you not get through Lucy Lawless and then? Two monster wrestling events happened in the same day. I guess WrestleMania being like the Super Bowl of wrestling. And then like as WrestleMania happened, weird Vince McMahon who has dyed his hair and grown a mustache. If you could think, if you can believe it, Google Vince McMahon mustache and it looks insane. He looks like Gomez Adams. And then I guess. (laughs) He looks like Gomez Adams and Clark Gable. So at the same time on a lot of steroids. And like he looks like I, I he does look like younger than he used to, but like not like correctly younger. <laughs> like and and for someone who's trying to fight off sex pest. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It like, is a bad look. His first his first public photo since he stepped down following sexual misconduct allegations, and he has comes back with a with greased a up his stash. hair and a little pencil stash. It's so weird. Anyway, How long then, do you think he spent on this look? Like, did he have a team that came up with it for him? What do you think? Uh, honestly, nothing so comes good. up. Nothing comes up. No team comes up with anything for Vince. He comes up with the idea and makes the team happen. Do it. Yeah. Well, what, uh. and apparently the, the the backstage murmurings about this look is that he wanted to. He, it was one hundred percent to look younger because he thought it would help, like the negotiations and stuff. Because he was like, he apparently, when he started trying to sell the company, felt like people were trying to like pull one over on an old man. Right. So he was like, I'm going to like young up my look so people stop the shenaniganry at the, at the, at the negotiation tables or whatever. Because he's been trying to sell, he started trying to sell before he stepped back. So it's been like a pretty much, I think, since a COVID thing where he's been talking about selling it. And he had apparently like didn't like the first round of negotiations. Because he people were like trying to hoodwink him because he was old, so he's like, "I'll just dye my hair and grow a mustache." That'll wow. Now people won't be able to take advantage of old man Vince. It looks like he's in line to get nine billion dollars, though. So 
I guess it yeah, well, exactly. And apparently, like a, go- a good chunk of it goes right in his pocket, right? Like yeah. it's like it's there, there's obviously other shareholders and other constituents and whatever else like that. But like he's he's set to make like actual billions. Like that's so crazy. Vince McMahon putting billions of dollars into his bank account for real, <clears throat> which is insane. Because he's an insane man. In a merger with Endeavor Entertainment, so that means they're going to own UFC and WWE, and and I guess slap fighting. Don't forget their slap fight brand i like to call that the cte production facility <laughs> cte is i think there's more cte in slap fighting than there is in ufc absolutely it's, unprotected headshots over and over again it's wild it's so gross it's like upsetting to watch i watched we watched it one time and i was like oh no and the last do people last, just get knocked out over and over and over again like a lot of people get like visibly concussed real quick oh my god that's so and, horrible and then the guys who have, have i guess just brains for it or, or whatever like the the championship rounds are like at least unless they change the rules like the championship matches have infinite rounds these guys are just like drilling each other open hand slap so i guess mitigating the the monster damage but like we know that just repeated that's headshots monster damage to tissue but not to the brain your brain is still slamming it's still getting around rattled around exactly that's what i'm saying like we know that like from especially from wrestling like even like pretend hits to the head again and again and again still cause cte like that's we don't need to learn this like wrestlers have wrestlers thought they were not getting hurt and then we find out that oh no their brains are really hurt that's why they removed headshots entirely almost from mm-hmm. uh from pro wrestling, oh, which is psychotic. Did you see the? Anyway, so it was also WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. The WrestleMania happened. WrestleMania thirty nine. The uh, my favorite controversy was the big time AEW star that appeared at WrestleMania. The big time AEW. Oh, one negative one. Yeah, negative one. Yeah, <laughs> Brody Junior. But I mean, but he wasn't. He wasn't wearing his mask. He wasn't negative one. But they they did call out that it was Brody Junior. Mm-hmm. So they, they they called it unannounced. I thought that the 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 big controversy, or at least a slightly controversial call, in my opinion, was um, when that there was a there was some Olay chance, and like Sammy was hitting multiple uh, haluva kicks on mm-hmm. uh, on the Usos, and Cole was like. Uh, like somewhere in Tijuana, El Generico must be proud right now. Like on announce, Ed Graves was just sort of like he's like, man, thank God that guy retired before he could headline WrestleMania. <laughs> I was like, wow, I was like that's smarky as shit. <laughs> like, I know it's end? I know it's late at night, guys, but I was like, you're, you're putting El Generico kind of into canon. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the Reddit guy who was like, I had to sit behind. Uh, sit right in front of this super obnoxious fan and then the video is like Sammy and, and getting the pin and then turning around and it's Johnny Knoxville just screaming and flipping everyone off and he's so mad <laughs> so mad that's great Knoxville like, yeah, that's, that's that's it live the gimmick oh my god yeah no it was a, it was a good Wrestlemania uh... I will never I will never watch two days of Wrestlemania ever it's too much well hang on absolutely too much and there's nothing that can pay off for me in any way (laughs) i i i approve of the two nights at like three and a half ish hours each more so more so 
then because what they were doing though was about seven hours of one day right like it was okay. like wrestlemania sunday started at five and finished at one like it was eight hour run times which was more upsetting than two four-hour shows yeah no i'm not here for it it's it's too much and i don't it's so much that i care about none of it well yeah i mean you're also not really watching weekly or anything or yeah but I think I did a good. So this I time around, I don't have the I, time. Like I would, I would go and watch other pay per views after mm-hmm. the fact. I could sit there and watch the Rumble. I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I can watch SummerSlam. I'm, I'm never gonna watch seven hours of WrestleMania. No, but you can watch certain matches and stuff. So like I did, I watched Saturday. I mean, so Friday night was like a get together at someone's house where we had both SuperCard of Honor on and SmackDown on a small screen. So we were like watching Supercard and had the the lead into Mania on the tiny screen. Oh my god! Did you see Dante Martin's leg explode? Yes. No, it's a cool. Yeah, that's one of the gnarliest leg breaks I think I've like Sincere. somehow it, it's it's in the same abs- file under the same category as like Anderson Silva, but like kind of worse because it's getting Canadian destroyer through a table by Pentel Zero Miero. Like, it doesn't, like, because it doesn't, it's not a real combat situation, it Sid, seems... Sid, Sid Vicious broke his leg in the ring. What happened to his see. leg? So, they set, they set up a ladder in the ring, then they set up another ladder as a bridge over to the top rope. So now that ladder is kind of like a springboard, and they've set up four tables outside of the ring to make some sort of a crashy explosion... Uh, two on top of each other, like a yeah, two on top of each other like, to make like a a box of four, um, and then uh, Pentagon Pentel Zero Mero um, hits him with a Canadian Destroyer, which is kind of like where you sort of like flip the man, you, like you do a little flip and the man does a flip, and you kind of just do a sit out with him. It look it looks way crazier than it is, and honestly, it's like a three sixty power bomb, like a forward flipping power bomb. Yeah, like it, it, but at the same time, like it, it's other than the fact that it's off of a weird makeshift bouncy platform through four tables, it's kind of a transition move in a lot of ways. Like it's a, it's kind of a bread and butter move, and even the injury is does it looks like there's no way that he could really get that hurt, but it's just because I guess coming down the edge of his of his foot, yeah, and it gets kind of squished into the mat, just like all traction, no slip. As his weight comes down on it and his leg just goes, his foot twists and goes backwards and it's awful. But, like, like people were like, what a dangerous maneuver. And, like, other, like a lot of, like, people I know in wrestling, you're like, literally could have happened if and on, on any jump to the outside. Like, literally any kind of, like, like, not to, it is absolutely a dangerous move that they did. But it weirdly wasn't the dangerous move that had anything to do with it. It was just, like, when you come down on your ankle and your body's going the other direction like you know momentum and will just take its course and bust your leg open like it yeah, yeah it, I mean, it, like it sucks, he could have but... just hopped off the apron and landed wrong and it would have broken his leg yeah exactly that's what they're saying it's like any jump off it was a big 360 flip through a couple of tables yeah but that's what they're saying is they're like it it didn't look like the move was done particularly unsafely as as crazy as the setup was it was just his leg came down weird like it wasn't like Penta wasn't like protecting his neck or like being unsafe with it or anything else. Like it was, I mean, I just oversh- can't, I just can't wait until top flight changes their name to, to ground attack. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, that is like, we are not jumping anymore. The storyline is they should start like tutelage with FTR, being like exactly. no flips, just fists. Like this is what we need to need to do. So they uh, get in the ring and drop to like low wrestling crouch. Yeah, like Greco Roman style, like just like yeah. circling, like yeah, pins no, and was, takedowns. That's all they. Yeah. That's all they do. Gro- now. Should crash. they do that? They should um get uh, Rick Steiner to be their their manager. Yeah, as I'm saying, FDR can teach them. They, FDR can mentor them. They can get one of the Steiners, and they will not want a Rick specifically. Rick, if they both get headgear on and like yeah. go full collegiate wrestling, stop flipping, you fools! Uh, yeah, then WrestleMania night two, I went to kind of a party. Night first, second night, uh, I, I sat on my couch and I watched. I really wanted to watch the Hell in the Cell, uh, mm-hmm. which um, Brood Edge came out to Slayer. Which is just amazing all over the place. Everything sure, was insane yeah. about the opening of it. So first it had Russell Crowe as his priest character from the the Pope's Exorcist movie coming out, talking about like oh, it's the demon, right? I guess, yeah. I know. I was like, everything is crazy. And unfortunately, because it's on the freaking West Coast, this did not happen in the dark. Like oh. it's, it wasn't the sundown. I was like. Uh, and you could tell they were stretching. Like, they were stretching so at least, like, most of the match could take place at, like, dusk. Like, there, there was a lot of filler being like, come on, sundown. Come on, sundown. We have a, a vampire fighting a demon in Hell in a Cell. <laughs> we really want this to take place at night. Please. Speaking uh, of filler, Celebrity got in a wrestling match. Uh, do you mean... 50 plus year old Snoop Dogg. Well, so <laughs> that was what happened. I didn't hear this. So that was that was to cover up the fact that Shane McMahon, 50 plus year old dum dum Shane McMahon, runs in as a as, as a surprise guest spot to beat up the Miz. The Miz runs at him. He jumps over the Miz, lands awkwardly, and immediately tears his quad. So this is like five seconds into the quote unquote match. Presumably, which what everybody's laughing about is that like. He was going to do something more insane because it was Shane. So he was going to do a coast-to-coast spot or whatever because that's what Shane does. Yeah. But instead he just hopped over Miz and exploded his quad because he's a 53-year-old <laughs> businessman who doesn't wrestle. Like, why Why would you think you could do this? Who is, who is also a McMahon who are famously known for blowing their quads out. Exactly. And then apparently the, the finish was after McMahon laid him out, Snoop was gonna hit the 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 Snoop elbow and do mm-hmm. a do a little power drop, and then the ref visibly just like yells at Snoop to just like hit the finish so that like something happens. So he like very badly punches the Miz in the face twice, knocks it, lays him out, then does kind of a people's elbow, and then does an elbow drop off of it. And everybody was just talking. Imagine being as high as Snoop clearly was <laughs> and then the script going bananas and they're like you need to do this Snoop and he's like got it <laughs> in front of 80,000 people he now needs to do a couple little wrestling moves because the referee's yelling at him that he has to do something because otherwise there's no spot I feel like Snoop's been in front of cameras for like 30 years now oh though. for sure you know, he's I'm a sure Hall of Famer he's, he's, he's a like, WWE Hall of Famer of course he is <laughs> That's amazing. But he's also been involved the, with wrestling for 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 decades, what, fifteen years. Yeah, awesome. 
Plus, yeah, he comes out, he raps, he introduces people, he gets involved in skits. He was definitely involved in the first time WrestleMania went Hollywood, and, and much to my old-ass chagrin, that was 18 years ago. Wow. You know? <laughs> I, uh, one of the comedians, Troy, is like just kind of getting dragged into the vortex of wrestling by all of the comedians that watch wrestling. And he was like, oh, why are they doing all of these weird, like, movie sketches and stuff? We're like, oh, because WrestleMania is going Hollywood. They do it whenever WrestleMania goes Hollywood. And they're like, when was the last time we went Hollywood? I'm like, I don't know, a few years ago? We looked it up, we're like, 18 years ago. And you guys all remembered it like it was just, like, recently. <laughs> we're like, oh, God. <laughs> we were, like, 22. Not even. Yeah, 22. Ugh. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, no, Snoop, uh, Snoop saved the day. Uh, but then that was his... He was also technically the host. The the never-ending Mysterio entrance brigade on Saturday was ridiculous. So they started off with, like, footage of Dominic in prison, and then it was, like, a corrections facility truck backed in, and they had to, like, uncuff Dominic so that he could go to the ring, even though that he got arrested in storyline, like, well over a year ago and has wrestled repeatedly since he was arrested. <laughs> then Ray comes out. First playing, uh, like, a Snoop Dogg track in his lowrider as they drive through the tunnel. Then they play the uh, Lie, We Cheat, We Steal, Eddie match as they drive into the actual stadium. Then they play Mysterio's theme song. We're like, boy, these Mysterios love their entrances. That's wild. Yeah. That match was good. That match was fun. Uh, Rhea, Rhea Flair was really good. Asuka Bianca was really good. Like I said, the Hell in a Cell, Edge and, uh, <clears throat> Edge and Balor was really good. Even though, and this is super weird, they busted up Balor's face real bad. And apparently, they he pissed blood all over the mat. And then they, like, they quickly cut away and apparently like shot Numbing Agent into his face and then stapled him shut live as like Edge... Pranced around and like, you know, did like other stuff and like got weapons and stuff. And they didn't show anything on camera, but people who were like there were like, yeah, they did like a like a battlefield surgery on Finn Balor. I that's guess pretty awesome, actually. This show must go on, you know. And if it's a trivial injury that's just bleeding a ton, well, I think that was yeah. it. Like they they yeah. they checked like from what people were saying is they checked him real quick, like with a quick and dirty concussion protocol. Like they were doing. Like, watch, watch my finger and check your focus and stuff and doing, like, a little yeah. pencil thing. And then, like, shot some stuff into his face and then literally, like, stapled him and then smudged it over because he's all wearing all face paint. So it didn't really, like, even show. And then he, like, literally wrestled the rest of the match. So, which is, I mean, I think better than, A, letting the guy wrestle concussed, which would have been old school. And it's also, like, kind of queasy when some guy's, like, Hissing blood. Like, a little bit of color, AEW loves it more than anybody. But, like, when it's, like, pouring, you're like, this is this is a little hard to watch. And I guess it is also a family. Like, that, that footage becomes unusable to them, I guess. Yep. They're like, oh, we can never cut back to this Hell in a Cell where Finn is just pouring blood like a faucet. And then uh, Cody Rhodes fights Roman Reigns at the end of night two for, like, 45 minutes match is great honestly it's a really really good match uh, uh no i heard it was full of interference and uh, well, it's a cody Rhodes match what are we talking <laughs> about like did anyone expect anything else 
from a Cody Rhodes match. They all have old school nonstop. Like D- Cody Dusty is in stuff. love with in love with the dusty finish, right? Like he he cannot help himself. It's always yeah. been since he was since he started booking himself. So people can't be like, I can't believe WWE did the booking. You're like, look at any match Cody has ever booked himself, guys. Mm-hmm. It's everybody and everything all at once. That's a Cody match. I can't yeah. I can't be mad at WWE for doing that because that's how Cody would have booked the match. That's I'm not mad. It's just I don't like it. I don't want to watch it. I, don't, I think that shit is garbage. I also don't think that so there's there's two also kind of well there's one storyline story that makes a bit of sense is that the the whole there's two the whole bloodline couldn't go down I don't think at one pay per view. Oh, I totally should have. And so, huh? You think it should, should have. have? I think it should have. That's the way you reset. You make them sure, but then either, but then how do you? You make them the chase. Uh, I don't think so. You can I spend mean, the next four months doing the redemption if you want to push them all, or you spend the next four months imploding them. I think you know what the better finish was in general. I think the better finish is the Usos win and Roman loses. Because yeah. then I think I think that the bloodline dynamic then gets really like I'm the head of the table. Well, we have a are belt. you though? Yeah, you didn't get the job done. We did our thing. <laughs> I would have been way, way more into that story mm-hmm. in general. Like, as much as I loved Sammy and Kevin winning, I wasn't like... Yeah, because that's what the story is going to be now. Roman just looking at down at them again, being like, see, I told you. Yeah, I got and, oh, and 100%. 100%. Well, 100% it's face turn, face turn Uso time, because also they were they tried to make the save, and they couldn't, and Sammy and Kevin fought them off, and it was Solo that won them the match, right? So mm-hmm. Solo's now going to be his his special boy. And whatever else. And then, anyway, I I don't hate it. I think they're they're doing the right thing of sort of like elevating multiple faces at the same time, unless yeah, they bury Cody, like who, after this. Who who gets it now? I think Cody's still going to get it. I think why he's going to kill Solo or something. You can win at SummerSlam. Although, I, we made the darkest timeline. We're like, wait, bro. They're like, oh, now we're like... And plus, they were like, now they get to like, uh, like level up like a mid-carder or whatever to fight Solo. I was like, or, or hear me out. Cody fights Solo. Obviously, the Usos fight Sammy and Kevin. And John Cena ends Roman Reigns' streak. And they were like, oh, no. <laughs> they're like, and who somehow... Gets, who get, no, wait. And who gets really mad at that? Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> WrestleMania 40, Cena versus The Rock. Oh God, it'd be so stupid. But then, <clears throat> but appar- and apparently, there is also talk that uh, the 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 deep, deep, deep conspiracy theory is that Endeavor Entertainment changed the finish to the to the Roman Cody match to keep the straps on Roman, which is apparently yeah. That, no, like, I don't buy that for a second. And the reason is Vince McMahon was back there. And there's nothing that Vince McMahon likes more than having the guy from the other company eat a big loss. Agreed. But apparently, at least a lot of a lot of the backstage stuff coming out of like Meltzer and coming out from ever is that it was like up till show day, Cody was going over, and apparently Vince, Endeavor Vince will swerve. Endeavor and, might have been a, might have been a swerve, might have been a bury, but apparently it was just like Endeavor thinks that, that the MMA crowd and whatever else like that are way more into a Roman Reigns type than a than a Cody type and whatever they want to do with the belt, they want they wanted to be involved in the storyline of like 
Roman losing it since it has been like a three year build that they wanted some input on how it was going to go down. So they like they reverted to a holding pattern. Whatever. No, I don't buy it. The the two things that Vince likes is burying the guy from the other company and swerving just to spite the dirt sheets. It's true. I thought you were going to say, and the other thing, Samoans. I mean, I don't know if he really likes Samoans. I mean, between Roman Reigns and The Rock, I think Samoans have made him a lot of money. Yeah, but I saw what he did to Rikishi's career. Rosie, the superhero in training. Uh. Yeah, but I'm just saying, But for the most part, between Roman Reigns and The Rock, I feel that there's there's some special love for Samoans. Yeah. Anyway, we talked a whole bunch about wrestling. I think we should (laughs) talk about whatever John wants to talk about. Guys, I've been I've been trapped at work for like two straight weeks. I uh, <laughs> had one day off out of the last I want to say five weeks, Ugh. something like that. Seriously, I, I haven't played D anD D in like two months. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, we killed Oral. You killed Oral. We did. I, mean... <laughs> I don't. I didn't even take any damage. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I see simulacrum. I suspect. Well, I mean, well, that's it. Well, she literally, her her phantom form fl- flew away, also cursing us as, as she okay. flew away. Okay. Like that's right. it's uh, it's fine. Yeah. And apparently, because Danny is playing in another Rhyme of the Frost Maiden campaign, okay. right? Well, don't spoil it. This well, is no, like but an actual he spoiler. But he, well, this is an actual spoiler. But he was saying that they in that campaign uh, had a fight with Oral after the Black Cabin. So right. I think there's certain conditions or whatever. That just like trigger her to show up like a video game. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, like I said, I'm, that's what he's saying. He he was like, well, in the other game, we were like, no, no, no. He's like, listen. He's like, it's it's about two things we've experienced, which right. was right. a fight right. with Oral and the Black Cabin. And he was like, and the fight with Oral in the other game took place after the Black Cabin. Not- so I guess the real enemies were the the like the the ghouls that have glowy faces. Are um, there any of those guys? The the night wa- the the whatever the night. Lantern. Something walkers, the yeah, white walkers, no, the... ice ice walkers, light walkers. I don't know. Yeah. Frost frost light walker. That might be right. Oh, mm, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> if it's not, copyright okay, frost that light shit. Night walker. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we killed that guy easy too. Uh, the what do you call it? The direwolves might have been a big issue, but we put them in an ice box. The, right, the, right, right. the owl man trapped them in an ice box for a couple rounds. By the time they popped out, Oral turned to slush, and they were like, "Out of here." We never get challenged in that game. It is true. Yeah. We don't, and I think we're just too good at D and D. I don't think we are. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a little bit that Eric doesn't like. I think we talked about this. I don't think that Eric likes yeah. running combat a huge amount, yeah. and I yeah. think that, yeah. like, genuinely speaking, we also are like really good about using cover and all that stuff and like breaking line of sight and doing all kinds of different shenaniganry and mm-hmm. we also don't make our like i think that the base difficulty level for these modules are like people who haven't played D before i think that's what they're written for and we've yep. all played a lot yeah. of D, and we yeah. also i think like all understand like tactical board gaming enough <laughs> sure sure <laughs> which which is which is funny because uh, third ed was the super tactical. No, fourth ed. It was fourth. It was fourth. Yeah, fourth ed. Which was like Pat was talking about that. He's like weirdly. He's like I think fourth ed has trained us to use the map more than your like air quote standard D and D player. 
I mean, also, also me running a game where like half of every session was going to be a combat, more or less, and yeah. it was always like as as much on the edge of lethally difficult as I could make it. You know? Yeah, exactly. We we all yeah. we all we all got like trained up on super hard encounters a lot of the time, yeah. but also with like a ton of like that if you didn't use the terrain and the topography to your benefit, like because you were running a lethal like a super high lethality campaign like that was a small advantage that you could eke out by like hiding behind a tree which i don't think every like buddy does just by default like yeah Yeah. like i said like it's very like i like think about like the game it's not that the game isn't that lethal like when pat was a big dum-dum and ran at a yeti the yeti just killed him right up (laughs) like it's not that like these monsters have don't have the capacity to down us we're just not stupid in these encounters I wonder how we'd do against, like, a really interestingly run Curse of Strahd game. Because the game kind of is set up that you have a couple... Like, you, you do a couple areas where you're not getting messed with by Strahd too, too much. But then yeah. after a certain point, he's supposed to, like, kind of every day at least once. He shows up, messes with you at a bad moment. And the book just says, like, have him jump on the players at, at the worst possible moments, you know, or at cinematic moments or whatever. Yeah. And... um that could be just like it's just you're never gonna be able to beat him until way later in the game. So you have all these different moments where you got to run run away from him or negotiate with him somehow or whatever. Yeah, yeah, buy some time. Um, we we haven't had like a like a like a I guess it's not even that often in games you have it where there's a, a force way more powerful than you who who is directly against you and you have to kind of find a way around before you can beat him. I mean, I really thought that oral would be and like she used all her legendary actions and everything like it wasn't like where eric like forgot like it was like she was like throwing a lot of stuff at us and what was it that uh took her down in the end like Uh, i I got the impression when you were saying before that it was like you you hit her with one arrow or something and then she turned into ice no 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 no. it was we didn't we dumped we we dumped we dumped a lot of damage on her uh pat granted a bunch of advantage on sneak attacks for me also he had multiple radiant attacks that she's uh vulnerable to uh so it was yeah it was just like we just and like we also like like nullified the dire wolves and I think we ignored we well we ignored the walker like and we um, like we ate some damage and also just because again that he played it the played the map as it lay there were like two like veteran tokens that was kind of in between the walker and us and he was like well the walker's going to attack the veterans because like outwardly they're not necessarily not a threat right he's not that they're not killing commoners these guys have like weapons and HP and stuff. Right, right. So he's like, this is not a super intelligent creature. So this is an actual threat. It's not just like, hmm. and so those those guys kind of like soaked up some damage, and but and surprisingly did not die from it because they roll he rolled bad on his damage, and then we just like spent every single solitary turn piling all of our hard like heaviest hitting stuff into Oral and whatever th- four or five rounds or something she dropped. Hmm. Cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, it's cool. over. I saw Bit Brigade. There oh, yeah? How was that? It's great. Oh, yeah. Casa- that was the... Cas- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I went to Casa del Popolo for the first time in, like, absolute years. Like, I was like, wow, when was the last time I went with uh, Guillaume? I have no idea when the last time I was at Casa del Popolo was. Like, yeah, it's been a while. Probably 20 years, I think. <laughs> like, uh, they ran, they did a speed run through DuckTales. They did a speed run through Mega Man 2. And it was great. <laughs> While they were just rocking out live to it. First of all, DuckTales is a very fast game if you know what you're doing. Yeah. 
boy, did they also clearly rip off the Mega Man kind of like level design. For sure. It's, it's for a sure, little it's sure. a little more branching. It's like a little more of like a it seems I, like it's possible the engine is even the same. Like it really yeah. plays similarly. Yeah, yeah. I think they, I think they they skinned a Mega Man game and they made the levels a little more branching cuz the Mega Man yeah. levels are typically linear, right? Yep. Like yep. but there was some branching, which is which is also great. So they they made fun of it a little bit while they were while they were getting ready for Mega Man 2. There're like a couple things we like to point out about that game is they were like one uh, no matter how you play it, the 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 nephews are like you couldn't have done it without our help. And you will notice that Scrooge talked to one nephew in this playthrough, <laughs> and I feel like he could have done it without his help. Because <laughs> I think you need to trigger one to make the fake wall that you can go through, but like right. other otherwise ignored the nephews. And then he was like, another thing is that the bad guy of this game is Dracula Duck. And yep. he's like, when, you know, Count Quackula was right there. <laughs> he's like, they went with, he's like, zero effort naming of characters. Dracula Duck. You know, your favorite character from uh, DuckTales, Dracula Duck, not a character from DuckTales. So stupid because there's like the 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 mid boss or the second to mid boss is is what's her face the Morgana Lespell or whatever it is right like who is a Ducktales character but then she's like Wait. I summon I summon Dracula Duck hold on hold on. was there not a Count Duckula there was a Count that Duckula but a... that's not Disney that's not oh Disney. yeah 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 right that's what happened yeah <laughs> so yes anyway and then yeah Mega Man Two is a, just a delight to blast yeah. through yeah. holy crap that game is just fun Mega Man games are amazing and yeah and also the uh, when the speedrunner messed up in Texas I think is where we saw them we saw them in Boston or Texas I don't remember which one uh, when the speedrunner messed up when he was trying to do the little uh, the, the, the nose grind on item 2 mm-hmm. uh, I think yeah that was an actual mess up because that did not happen I for years I've wondered if like because so when you're doing when you're riding item 2 in Mega Man 2, you can kind of like put Mega Man right to the edge of item 2 and he kind of gets like locked in his little jump pose, so it kind of looks like he's doing like a nose grind on a skateboard. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, when we saw him at PAX, he like messed it up cuz you're flying over spikes and he hit and the band had the wherewithal to like stop and then go like which I always thought That's was awesome. which was yeah. great. Uh and I was always like was that shtick or was that like the runner messed up. And I think it was, an, it was probably an honest mistake. I think it was... And, yeah, Guillaume and I were talking about this. I was like, well, one, that he didn't do it this time around. Yeah. And two, I was like, literally, if there's any moment in the entire run where he's in any danger, it's trying to land... It's trying to nail that. For sure. I think I think the cred of being a speedrunner and doing a flawless run is way more important than getting a cool sound effect. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. But I mean, but he's also, but he's like a speedrunner who speedruns exclusively for Bit Brigade, so it's a bit of a show, right? Like, oh, I'm, yeah. you know, and like he's also not going for time. Like, he does a couple things of like, he does he does a few little like flashy things, which are clearly, I mean, just just the fact that he's doing that on item two is not optimal, right? He's doing it for style points for the show. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So. I mean, that's a good point. You might also want to do take a voluntary death at a certain point, or maybe not. Mega Man Two, they don't recharge your uh, no nope. your items. No, yeah. 
Yeah, death yeah. just doesn't recharge at all. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I guess I, I think, I guess that if otherwise the guys can play Mega Man 2, I'm sure, with his eyes closed. And I think that the only time that he's like slightly in danger is trying to like kind of like land nearly pixel it perfect on the front of a moving platform. It's probably the only like genuine threat to the run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So. Anyway, so he did not... I mean, it's also, like, we saw them six years ago. It's also possible that he's just gotten way better at the little stunt that he doesn't mess it up anymore. <clears throat> anyway, great, great mm-hmm. fun. I think uh, more video game bands should do that format, right? Which is How long to, was the whole show? About an hour? Yeah, about an hour. They played about an okay. hour. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's like fifteen minutes, a little like probably a little under, yeah, somewhere between fifteen to twenty minutes on uh, Ducktales, and then about forty on Mega Man. Yeah. Oh, he's just sort of like also after they finished Ducktales, they were like, well, that was our first song. It's time for a second <laughs> song. This one's forty minutes long. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good. I I liked it a lot. It was super nerdy, and I was like, it felt felt nice to just be like yeah this is a super nerdy vibe thing it made, it made me like genuinely really miss like packs i was like man it's just fun to have a weekend of just like or or fan expo or something just like a weekend of like indulging in nerdiness yeah it's been yeah. a while it sure has it's been it was even like a while pre-pandemic and then the pandemic mm-hmm. was like three years yep so anyway there was that. Scott, what um, have you been up to? What have I been up to? Um, I've been hunting down a lot of comic books at Dollarama lately. Like, stacks and stacks I don't even have. <laughs> stacks, I don't, even, I don't right even care about them. I just have them. <laughs> Scott is now filming, like, a foot and a half of comics. I feel like this is a thing your partner loves so much. She oh shit! We, so talk, we haven't talked about you cleaning out your crawl space, my storage space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All the things started started to do that, um, and then started playing Hero Clicks instead. <laughs> exactly. Hero Clicks. <laughs> Ar- Archer comes over. What are those? Well, son, these are Hero Clicks. <laughs> Why do you have eight hundred of them? Well, son. <laughs> I used to live in an apartment that had no rent. <laughs> turn, turn half my paycheck into hero clicks and still be fine. <laughs> Dad, were you an adult and you spent all your money on toys? Yes. I want to so, be pissed like you. Well, it's funny you bring that up, John. So uh, Archer and I met up with Keith and Sarah at um, on Wellington for the, the Cabana Sucre Fair they have on the street. Yeah, right on. And uh, we also ran into um, Keith and our friend Eric, who's also a big comic book guy. And Eric and Keith and I were talking about comic books and, and action figures and stuff and what's on sale and what we've been picking up lately. And Archer walks over and he's, you know, almost 10, still nine years old, hanging out with three adults like perfectly engaged in this conversation and offering his insights and opinions about what toys are cool and what comic books are showing up at the, the shops, you know, late, right late. on. Yeah. Yeah, talk, like, talk about Marvel snap. He plays Marvel snap. 
like yeah. Eric Scott and I also all play Marvel Snap. He's talking about this card and that card. We're like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at no point in my childhood did I have this experience with my father. There was no point where I was just like <laughs> walking up to him and three of his friends being like, hello, fellow gentlemen. Shall we discuss local affairs and politics in the news and whatever <laughs> other garbage stuff they were talking about? Eric and, Eric and I were talking about that exact thing, and he was just sort of like, and it must have just been like doubly wild, because like he's basically never met Eric. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like, like, the first time he meets Eric, and Eric's like, oh man, you got Spider-Man and Marvel Snap? Amazing! And he's just like, super down. Yeah. And like, Archer's mm-hmm. like, huh, I guess this is just, you know, enough this is, what is. Yeah. this is what grown-ups are. Yeah. Grown-ups just keep reading comic books and talking about toys. <laughs> like you guys were like, oh, I picked up some Bakugan, and I was like, like in a in a genuine way, like, what's Bakugan? Please show mm-hmm. me this toy. Not a like you're wasting my time. I was like, I want to see this toy. Yep. And they're pretty cool. Scott, describe Bakugan. I would be all over these as a kid. Bakugan are like small transformers. Mm-hmm. They're like that are all balls. They all transform into a ball. Most of them transform into balls. Some of oh. them transform into cubes or cylinders and stuff. Oh, they are, they're all geometric shapes because you have to be able yeah. to roll them. Because you have to be able to roll them because you roll them like dice or marbles across the board in a CCG-type game similar to Pokemon, except where they're, they're like, they have little magnets in them, so when they roll over the, the tiles you put down, they pop out and explode into their shape yeah like yeah like the magnet triggers the the transformation yeah so it's if you understand pokemon imagine you actually had a pokeball that you could roll across the pokemon card game that would summon your pokemon but instead of like pikachu it's like a robotic robot scorpion or whatever scorpion that pops out and gets power ups based on where it lands on on the, the playing field i had nephews who had a ton of these things i know all about bakugan and, like, wouldn't you have been into it at that right age? Like, under 10. Like, definitely yeah, an under 10 sure. thing. For sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. I, did you guys have Battle Beasts? That was my, like, little little toy thing. That's the hologram ones? Yeah, you, like, rub their chest, and then they have, like, fire, water, or earth on them. And there's, like, a rock, paper, scissors kind of game. They showed up after Visionaries, which was the cartoon yeah, yeah. that I yeah, was yeah. super into. I had those, too. They had the big holograms, right, on, like, a... Um, they have holograms kind of, on their tummy, yeah. like on, on their, their chest, chest, and on on the top of like uh, banners on spears. Yeah, I watched the. If, if you have not watched the 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 first five episodes of that show, I highly recommend it. That is all kinds of weird spelljammer fantasy, Keith. It's yeah. Right yeah, no, I, I was going to say I was like visionaries. I was a little too too young for. I remember it vaguely from like probably my brother or whatever. But uh, I was recently out to dinner at someone's mm-hmm. house, and we put on uh, 30 minutes of 80s cartoon intros. Because, <laughs> again, <laughs> well, we're real adults doing real adult things. And that was just on in the background while we had dinner. The, the, the plot to Visionaries, it is a technological world that has suffered a complete apocalypse of technology. And a full generation goes by where nothing works and the entire planet devolves into medieval warfare mm-hmm. of warlords and swords and armor. And then an actual wizard shows up and invites <laughs> the best heroes 
to come and compete in a tournament where he gives them all special magical powers. Mm-hmm. Didn't and we the good watch guys, a bunch of these episodes at one point? I, I, I'm, I'm sure, sure I did when we were living together, John. Yeah. I love this fucking show. I love visionaries, baby. This is And the, the best thing about it is the bunch of good guys and a bunch of bad guys, they all get granted their powers because the bad guys aren't completely useless. They're, they're just you know, real real shitheads. And then their powers wear off. And they go back to the wizard and he's just like, oh yeah, if you want me to recharge you, you have to do more missions for me. And they're all like, fucking son of a bitch. He's like, I don't care who's good and who's bad. I don't care who wins. Just go do the things that I need getting done. It's delightful. It's like Magic Man from Adventure Time. (laughs) I win, just like always. Damn it, wizard. (laughs) (laughs) And because it's a a post-apocalyptic technological world, the wizard's name is, of course, Merklin. Uh-huh. <laughs> because a, a K needs to be in there to show that it's not, not just regular Merlin. It's, and the K is backwards. <laughs> it's techno Merlin. And the, the E is a three. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Uh, I had two thoughts. Not, not for nothing. If anyone anyone listening wants to talk about visionaries, just I mean, we can do... I'm me down. I really... I, I miss when we watched things as a group and then talked about them as a podcast. Those were those were fun times. You could figure out, figure out and schedule some visionary watches. I'm, I'm in. For sure. Jesus, uh, yes. So... How many seasons? It's just two, right? Like, there it's wasn't not that e- much No, it's not, even, it's not even a full season. I think it's like oh 13 episodes. <laughs> we can just blast all the way through visionaries, baby. Um, right. Right. I wanted to read to talk about... I started... I've only read one issue... Uh, but it's it's like I guess it's current. It came out last year. Uh, Do a power bomb, the comic series. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Nope. Are you Daniel Warren promoting? Johnson? Are you cross promoting to your other podcast, Keith? No, 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 no. Hang on. Andy Belanger uh, draws Mother Trucker, which is another comic about wrestling. Which you should go listen to. Go plug yourself. This is not actually the comic <laughs> about wrestling that we had a comic artist who does a comic about wrestling. And for some reason, I have not read that one yet. Walter's read it. This is another one. This is by Daniel Warren Johnson, who's the guy who did Murder Falcon. If you know or heard of Murder Falcon. Nope. Uh, It was a comic book about heavy metal. Uh, Anyway, so the premise is great. It's just, and it made, like, the way you talked about, like, visionaries kind of made me think of just, like, it has very, like, 80s cartoon setup, which, well, except for. I guess, obviously, grown up, which is a, a girl. Her mother was the uh, champion of, like, a New Japan-style wrestling uh, company. And, like, in this world, wrestling is wrestling. It's kayfabe. It's, 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 a, it's fake, right? And it's, like, it's a botched move. They screw up a move off the top for the top rope. She, like, breaks her neck, dies in the ring, ultimately. And then, like, as a result, no one will train this girl as she grows up with her, like, aspirations to be uh, a wrestler, so you're like you're reading all this comic and it's all kind of like pretty like dark and serious as you're going through. You're like, oh, this is kind of going to be maybe like a almost a slice of life thing, coming of age, you know, coming of age world. or whatever. And at the end of the first comic, a necromancer shows up and is like, actually, come to my castle. I'm a necromancer. There's a tournament where it's real wrestling, fighting for real, and the winner gets to wish someone back to life. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, this is such a great setup. Like the whole entire issue. Hmm? 
What a twist! Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I, w- I, I genuinely, I, I went in. Uh, you, you were talking about our buddy Eric. Eric was like, his buddy lent him the first seven, and he's like, I blasted through them at night, and he was just sort of like, he's like, I'm not even that into wrestling. I was super into it. He's like, I usually, he's like, I don't like to tell people what to read, but he's like, there's no way that I don't recommend a comic about wrestling that I read the entire run in a night, not to Keith. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like the next morning, he's like, you should read this immediately. So yeah, I just, I read the first issue like yesterday and, and other than you should read it, it's about wrestling. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. There was a supernatural twist or whatever, and it was great. That twist moment of just like, oh, okay, this is like a girl about like making it in the Indies and whatever. It's like that. No, I am a necromancer. You can wish your mother back to life. But now wrestling is real. You're like, yes. <laughs> and it's great because I was reading the uh, the afterword by, uh, by Daniel Warren Johnson, and he only got into wrestling uh, in like 2018. <laughs> That's was, wild. Like, yeah, he was like, I, he's like, there's a lot of crossover between comic book creators and wrestling fans. He's like, there's a lot of us who are. He's like, I've never been a like, no, I don't like wrestling guy. He's like, it's just never been for me. He's like, I just never have sat down and given it the time it kind of needs where I have to watch it every week and kind of catch up all the storylines. He was like, it was no, not a judgment thing. I was just like, I never had the time. And he's like, and then I had a newborn kid. <clears throat> Yep. And he was like, I'm keeping weird hours with my daughter. I'm on kind of night shift, sort of like take, take, taking care of her as long as she doesn't need feeding, trying to get, let my wife get some sleep and all that stuff. And he was like, I was like, he's like, what should I watch? And it was like, he named like another artist was just sort of like, it's the G1 Climax Tournament in New Japan. It's happening almost every day. You can just watch the G1 Climax Tournament. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> so he like watches like... G1 is like 50 matches over the span of a month or something. Yeah. It's like, it's psychotic. It's, I've never watched all of a G1 Climax tournament. To watch all of one is freaking insane. Uh, so yeah, so he's like, he watched the entire G1 and he was like, he's like just getting super into it, getting, he's like just picking up little bits as I can, as he goes. Plus it's kind of building on, it's like a mega Royal Rumble in lots of ways too, right? Like, yeah. Stuff that happens in the first match can come back in match nine or match ten because that guy who got screwed over, it's like, it's contained. You know, it's like a contained event with a sort of long-form storytelling. You can pick it up as you go. And then it was like an Ibushi Ishii match uh, where he was just like, oh, yeah, these guys are next level and wrestling is amazing. And he's like, and then I've just, you know, for the next, like, two years of my life was consumed completely by wrestling. (laughs) It's just like... Picking up also on WWE and whatever, but he's like, especially by way of New Japan. But I was like, wow, that's crazy that, like, you got into wrestling three or four years ago, like, as an adult. Like, it's such a weird late-life get-into-wrestling moment. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, just keeping weird hours with the kid, though, and you're just like, I just want to watch something. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I mean, I watched a lot of Lucha Underground. When, when Archer was a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of it sat there machining through seasons. Yeah. And especially, like I said, especially for for the, for the Johnson, I guess, like, the fact that it was, like, coming out live. Like, he's like, I'm not, like, catching up on anything. Like, what I'm watching tonight, like, happened yesterday at most because of the time difference, mm-hmm. you know? Like, anyway, so I'll, I'll, I'll circle back on that. But you should you should check it out if you can find it. Sure, I've just got some. like let's see, one, two, three, six, 50 yeah. comics to read right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full, yeah, full yeah. trades. You, you could read through them. Yeah. 
did you play Hero Clicks with Archer? No, he just he wanted to like name the characters. Like also, he was no like one, Spider-Man, no one, Green Lantern. No one plays Hero Clicks, Keith. It's it's a lot like Marvel Overpower. Someone somewhere must have played Hero Clicks. There were so I, many of those things for for a couple of years. I played with Anthony a few times, yeah. but then was just like, huh. I'm mostly just picking them up because they're little superheroes. I'm look. I'm looking around because I have never, ever, ever in my life played a game of HeroClix or purchased any HeroClix. But in my house, for I want to say the last twenty years, there has been a Green Lantern HeroClix, and I've <laughs> and I've asked you like, is it yours? And you're like, nope. I I didn't really get the DC ones. I know. <laughs> don't know anyone else like green never came over to my house like just, i do not know how or why i have I a little green associate. lantern hero clicks i wouldn't even associate with green lantern with you no i i i did i i assure you i did not purchase it i'm not a mm-hmm. green lantern guy i'm not even like that much of a mainstream comics guy and if i am i marvel over dc like it's wild like yep. maybe batman at most speaking of marvel Big news. No. Mike Perlmuter got fired, got laid off by Disney. Who's that? He is the publisher of Marvel Comics. He is the, the, the big boss for, for the last 40 years. Wow. He is the guy that led them through the boom and then through bankruptcy and then through the sale to Disney. He is, huh. he is the guy. And they just shit-canned him. Like, they shit-canned him? It wasn't like a... It was corporate restructuring that's been going through all of Disney. Lots of executives I have been... Heard of aren't, they, aren't they bringing back the other Bob? What? What about that? Is, it, is it not Bob Iger who was in charge of Disney for many, many years, and then he was replaced with a different Bob, I want to say like four years ago? And then, um, and then he's now, like, the new Bob is being gotten rid of. All the people at Disney are, like, kind of unhappy with the direction he took the company, and it's going back to the old Bob. Yeah, this guy was I'm, Marvel, though. Like he was, yeah. this he was more Marvel than Disney. No, no, I know. But if it's like the guy at the top who's changing, maybe this is like one of his things. He's like, nope, well, fuck it, it's not going well. Through a variety of somewhat unorthodox business deal, Isaac Ike Perlmuter has become an influential investor in a number of corporations, including Revco Drugstores, Colico Entertainment, Remington, and Toy Biz slash Marvel Toys. Mm-hmm. Eighty years old, with a net worth of four point one billion dollars, as per Forbes. Yep. Big, big, rich dude with a big contract. Uh, notoriously shitty boss to work for. That's what, that's uh, what he says. Unorthodox business deals is right there in his, like, the, no, no, the like, friendly blurb is right there. Hey, we, we, uh, we're we the Marvel bullpen, and there's, like, 60 of us working here. Could we maybe get another bathroom? Nope. No. Uh, how about some toilet paper for this one bathroom that we all have to share? You all have toilet paper at home. Just bring some if you're going to need it that day. He also apparently has donated millions of dollars to Marco Rubio and Donald Trump. So I can... Good riddance. Get him out of here. Sorry, Ike. (laughs) I don't need another 80-year-old billionaire giving money to Trump and Marco Rubio. Who does he think he is? A hockey player? Or a wrestler? Anyways. Yeah. (laughs) My beloved Chris Jericho. Damn it. Damn it, Jericho. He's Canadian. Um, What's he doing? Right? <laughs> uh, no, this is like a Titanic shift and a, a, a strange harbinger for things to come. They 
really think that with Perlmuter gone, that there is a chance that Marvel Comics will just be fully folded into Disney. That that everything that Marvel is that Disney oversees will just be like broken up and and passed around through the rest of the Disney machine. That Marvel Crazy. Publishing Comics will go through Disney Publishing. That uh, their wing of video game development will just be pushed through to the Disney thing. That their mm-hmm. um, writing staff Holy and schmabole, production they, and like they're really they're really thinking the House of Ideas kind of. Yeah, that's kind of inevitable, though. Like, when you start to look at your org chart and you see two people doing the same job, like, why do we have two companies making video games? I can see yeah. why a, a millionaire oh, and a billionaire gets angry at that. The the weird thing that I have going on is, um, one, this might mean the end of, like, Marvel in New York. Like, the, the famous House weird. of Ideas, which would be weird. Like, the idea of the bullpen being gone and the idea of, like... Well, apparently it already is. So go. Listen, I mean, yeah, go, most a lot of go plug yourself with Andy Belanger, and he will tell you that Marvel Studios is not a cool place right now. But this <laughs> this is like, like the first big domino. But then mm. the other side of me is like, well, if you're Disney and you have a bunch of writers, you know, writing cartoons and um, series and other books for Disney publishing, like, w- would you mind getting the guys who worked on like Gravity Falls or the Owl House to go do? Doctor Strange comic? Yeah, there, there's, no, there's not really. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Like, well, it, it also, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I just I listened to the the history of Marvel Comics Black Panther. There's like a six part podcast series mm-hmm. on it that is like really well produced. They talk to everybody who's like still alive and willing to talk, like through the ages, like uh, from old. The, what was who was the first like the first writer outside of uh, Lee, after Lee, the one who wrote like Jungle Action blanking on his name anyway uh <clears throat> so like a bunch priest of crazy stuff all the, no priest was later like priest was 90s this is still like this is the guy who kind of like was given was given black panther to sort of let it die where he was like he could only public he could only write like half of a new comic book each every two monthly so he got a bi-monthly called mm-hmm. uh, called jungle action and to save money they were like it's going to be half whatever black panther you do and then half an old school uh, jungle adventure from our weird archives that we own. So he's yeah. like, so yeah, he's like, I was basically put there to die. But he was like, well, so I need to like make it serialized, have like a cliffhanger every month because it's only going to be coming out two months, mm-hmm. and I won't actually get to tell any big stories. So he's like, really sold it and put it over. Anyway, they had that guy talking. They have a lot of time with Priest. They have it when they uh, when what's his name when they got the political. Uh, writer there who did it after a priest. Don McGregor. Don McGregor is the guy I was thinking of. Anyway, interviews with everybody, it's great. But one of the things that they that really, they don't actually spell it out as such, but I think the last episodes, they talk about kind of uh, when they really wanted to like revamp and, and juice up Black Panther, they gave it to the guy who like produced Django Unchained and wrote House Party. Like, as a big shot kind of, like, Hollywood guy or whatever. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I was just like, he's like, I, they were like, I Ta- got to. Was it huh? Tiny Coats? Yeah. Ty- no, Tiny C. Coats was after. Okay. Tiny C. Coats was the political, more like the political writer yeah. who then wrote after him. There was there was the bridge between, before Tiny C. Coats. You'll get this name. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but what's, what's super interesting is they were like, he's like, yeah, I went 
found out that like Joe Casada or whatever else was like wanting to have a tour of Marvel, and I was like, yeah, I want to have a tour of Marvel. This is the guy who'd get and play and stuff. And he's like, yeah. So he's like, so we do the whole tour, and he's like, so what do you want to do? And he was like, I don't know. This is just a tour. And he's like, you want to write Black Panther? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I want to write Black Panther. And he's like, and then I go back to Hollywood, and I'm like, guys, you won't believe it, but I'm going to be writing a brand new monthly Black Panther. And everyone's like, who? And I, when you're, like, listening to it, you're like, oh, yeah, they were just like, does Black Panther have legs? Like, this was a Marvel Studios call to, like, let's get a Hollywood guy to write the comic. We get to do an immediate focus group to see, like, if we can relaunch it and it resonates and see what the book sales are and see what the feedback is and, like, test the poll of the whole internet that we can produce on, like, a nickel and dime basis compared to the cost of making a movie. And they, like, they built black panther into something that people were excited to see a movie about clearly working with already bringing in hollywood guys like and then bringing in like high profile writers like tiny Coates, like all this stuff and i was like oh yeah they're just using the comics as like focus groups for movies mm-hmm. like they're I'm, they're already right. doing that so Reg- reginald hudlin yes yeah reggie hudlin what a weird what a weird like body of work that man has his 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 black panther one to six in the max line is yeah. absolutely the template for the black panther movie 100 percent. like he it's... introduced shuri right like, <clears throat> yeah. like, like that's that's a if, a if if you can't find it or can't be bothered to to read it they made a motion comic movie of it oh, with cool. art by john ramita jr that's yeah, like, yeah. I'm reading. I'm reading it right now, and it's literally it's called six, like six, eight minute episodes, and it like puts it, together to like a little forty five minute movie, and it's yeah, it's just. I know it was literally cool. called like "Who is the Black Panther?" and he was just he was they just they were like, "Hey, you want to kind of relaunch the Black Panther?" Yeah, here it is, and they just and like I said, and I'm sure extremely calculated in giving it to a big Hollywood guy who's obviously going to like talk it up at Hollywood parties. Like I'm working on this yeah. fun little comic side project because even he says he's like I'm kind of slumming it writing Black Panther, like as a Hollywood producer and stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a I'm doing this as a passion piece, you know. And, like, and because of that, they got the motion comic, and the motion comic is like Hollywood actors like Jimon Hansu and mm-hmm. Kerry Washington and Jill Scott and Alfred Woodard. I'll, yeah. I'll voice it because he's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy at house party. Yeah, <laughs> he produced Django and Chain. I think I think more Django than house party is. I mean, it depends on circles. What circles you're in? House party is a classic, man. <laughs> I mean, if he was trying to get Kid and Play to do the soundtrack, sure. Yeah, I could see how that would be beneficial. But wait, did they? <laughs> if you anyway. believe in the infinite universe, there's a world out there where that happens. I do, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's. A, it's a great podcast series, like really, really listenable, and it, it's obviously it's a little fluffy, and they they gloss over I think a lot of mm-hmm. anything anything bad that happened, and it's mostly good. They don't they don't pull away a couple punches to be like, yeah, there's some definitely problematic moments as with a bunch of white guys handling the Black Panther character throughout time. Mm-hmm. There there have been problems with that, but it's it's still kind of a like a bit of a puff piece, but historically interesting since they get to talk to everybody who did it. I, it's a six episode run, so. Who, who cares? Listen to listen yeah. to you. Listen to podcasts, Scott. Listen to it. <laughs> Do my my favorite comic book podcast ended uh, at Christmas last year, and oh, they no. just on April first dropped a random episode because of the Ike Permuter news. Oh. We just were like, it was we have to talk Fools? about this for 
and they did it April Fools without releasing any press or tweets or anything about it. They just threw it on the feed. I was very happy. I spent hours listening to these dudes, and they just were like, "We're we're done. We need to take a break." And I was like, "Fuck, Fuck just guys, just talk." You know, I don't care about your editing. So we do. Now it's yeah. over. <laughs> uh, I don't we're know what we're gonna talk about in garbage time. We're not leaving you guys. Garbage. Bye, everybody. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the Internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you could get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.